ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد سكنتينيو وذ بلوغ المرام ان ذا تشابتر اوف باب Qada al-Haja, the chapter of the uh, call of nature, answering the call of nature, relieving yourself. We were on hadith uh, of Aisha radiallahu anha. Anna al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal, Man ata al-ghaita fal yastatir. Rawahu Abu Dawud. Wa an Aisha radiallahu anha, Anna al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kana idha kharaja min ghaitin qal, Ghufranak. Akhraja al-Khamsa wa sahahu Abu Hatim al-Hakim. وعن ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه قال أتى okay we do those first two the first one then he says the hadith of Aisha رضي الله عنها the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said whoever needs to relieve themselves whoever needs to relieve themselves then conceal yourselves cover yourselves hide yourselves in a place where you can't be seen and the second hadith also of Aisha radiallahu anha, she narrates that the Prophet وسلم, when he used to uh, finish from the call of nature, then as he would exit from that place, he would say, Ghufranaka. So these two hadith, we have them now. Um, the first of them then, when the Prophet وسلم, or he mentions that if a person, he goes to relieve himself, he goes to a place where he wishes to relieve himself, he wishes to answer the call of nature, فَلْيَسْتَتِرُ عَنِ النَّاسِ بِأَنْ يَتَوَارَ عَنْهُ بِشَيْءٍ يَسْتُرُهُ إِمَّا بِجِدَارٍ أَوْ شَجَرَةٍ أَوْ شَيْءٍ مُعِدْ لِقَضَاءِ الْحَاجَةِ That the person, he conceals himself, he hides himself from the eyes of the people, and covers himself either behind a wall, or maybe a tree of, uh, of certain types that don't have fruits, etc., like we mentioned, or some other place that has been prepared to be a place of answering the call of nature. For example, the bathrooms that you have now. So a person should not be out in the open in front of everyone. Because that is something that is in opposition to Islamic manners. It is an opposition to Islamic manners if a person was to relieve himself out in the open in the eyes of the people. Similarly, in the second narration, it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ, when he would finish relieving himself, as he would exit, he would say, Ghufranaka. So this is from the actions of the Prophet ﷺ, and it is one of the mannerisms of relieving yourself. وَهُوَ أَنَّهُ إِذَا فَرَغَ مِنْ حَاجَتِهِ وَخَرَجَ مِنَ الْمَكَانِ الَّذِي يُعَدُّ لِهَذَا قَالْ غُفْرَانَكَ That when the Prophet ﷺ would finish the, uh, the call of nature and he would exit from that place, then as he would exit from that place, he would say غُفْرَانَكَ وَهُوَ مَفْعُولٌ بِهِ لِفِعْلٍ مَحْضُوفٍ تَقْدِيرُهُ أَسْأَلُكَ غُفْرَانَكَ The meaning of which is that I ask you for your forgiveness. Ghufranaka, meaning I ask you for your forgiveness. Wal-ghufran, wal-ghafar, fil-lugha, as-satar. Wa minhu al-mighfar, al-lazhi yudu'u ala ra'as fil-harb, liyasturahu min as-siham, wa mimma yusibuhu fil-harb. So, ghufran and ghafar, it means to conceal. 
So you're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to conceal you, to forgive you for your sins, to conceal you, or your sins to be concealed and forgiven. And that's what the word ghufran and ghafar means in the Arabic language, concealment. Uh, so the meaning of it is that you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive you by concealing your sins and not to hold you accountable for your sins. Wallahu jalla wa ala min asma'ihi al-ghafur wal-ghafar. And from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-ghafur and ghafar. So this indicates that Allah is the one who is oft forgiving. And Allah is the one who uh, often forgives and conceals and overlooks the sins of the slaves. As Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, وَإِنِّي لَغَفَّارٌ لِمَنْ تَابٌ That indeed I am forgiving for those who seek repentance. I will conceal the sins of those who seek the repentance and overlook them and not hold them accountable. Uh, similarly in Surah Al-An'am, فَإِنَّ رَبَّكَ غَفُورٌ رَحِيمٌ For indeed your Lord is uh, the Ghafur, the one who forgives, the Rahim, the one who is uh, ever merciful. So Ghafur and Ghafar are two of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the meaning of them is that Allah conceals the sins of His slaves and He forgives them and overlooks them and pardons them and doesn't hold them accountable for it. فَهَذَا مِنَ النَّبِيِّ صلى الله عليه وسلم دُعَاءَ لِرَبِّهِ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ لَهِ So this is a dua from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that Allah forgives him. فَهَلْ هُوَ صلى الله عليه وسلم فَعَلَ ذَنْبًا فِي دُخُولِهِ لِلْخَلَاءِ وَقَضَاءِ الْحَاجَةِ حَتَّى إِنَّهُ يَسْتَغْفِرُ مِنْ But then the question is, that when the Prophet ﷺ entered into that area to relieve himself, when he exited, he was asking Allah to forgive him for his sins. Is the act of going to the toilet and relieving yourself, does that have within it some type of sin? That when you come out, you should seek forgiveness. So what is the reason for seeking forgiveness as you exit from having relieved yourselves after having used the toilet? Now what is the reason for saying, O Allah, I ask you for your forgiveness to conceal my sins and to overlook them. Why would you say that after relieving yourself? Al-Jawab, Al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lam يقترف ذنبا لا في دخوله للخلاء ولا في غير ذلك وإنما سبب استغفاره هنا يرجع إلى قولين Clearly the Prophet ﷺ didn't commit a sin by entering into that area to relieve himself and that is not the reason why you seek your forgiveness that is not the reason why the Prophet ﷺ would leave that area of relieving himself and seek forgiveness the reason for that is two reasons or there are two reasons that the scholars have mentioned. The first of them, al-qawl al-awwal, the first opinion, لِأَنَّ الرَّسُولَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ كَانَ يَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ إِحْيَانِهِ وَمَعْلُومٌ أَنَّ الَّذِي يَقْضِي, يقضي حَاجَتَهُ لَا يَذْكُرُ اللَّهِ فَهُوَ يَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ مِنْ هَذَا الْإِنْقِطَاعِ عَنِ الذِّكْرِ فَاعْتَبَرَهُ سَلَّ one of the opinions that is mentioned is the reason why the Prophet ﷺ would seek forgiveness as he exited from the call of nature after finishing that is because the Prophet ﷺ, he would always be supplicating and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet ﷺ, he would always be remembering and supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all of the time. However, when a person goes to the toilet, 
then you cannot do that in the toilet. You cannot be reciting du'as and the Qur'an and supplications and those types of things when you're in the toilet. So during that time period when you're in the toilet, you are going to have to cut off from the supplication and the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're going to have to cut off for that moment of time whilst you are relieving yourself. But because it was the habit of the Prophet ﷺ to always be remembering Allah and doing the dhikr etc. Then that time period when he couldn't do that because he was in the toilet now or in the place of relieving the, uh, relieving the call of nature. Then he considered that ﷺ as a shortcoming. He considered that as a shortcoming. That this time period he was not able to do the remembrance of Allah. Because it was his habit otherwise to always do the remembrance of Allah. But in the toilet, then it's not possible. So the Prophet ﷺ would consider that as a shortcoming. This time period, I have not been able to remember Allah. Therefore, as he exited, he would seek forgiveness from Allah for that shortcoming. That is one opinion. Al-Qawl al-Thani, Anna qada al-Haja, Anna qada al-Hajati wa khuruj al-Ashya'i al-Mu'ziyya, من الإنسان نعمة من الله يستحق عليها شكر إذ لو انحبست هذه الأشياء في بدن الإنسان لآلمه ذلك وضايقه وربما قضى على حياته والإنسان لا يستطيع شكر الله جل وعلا على الوجه التام ففيه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اعتبر نفسه مقصرا في شكر ربه على هذه النعمة لذا فهو يستغفره وهكذا ينبغي للإنسان أن يشعر بتقصيره في شكر ربه لقاء النعم التي أنعمها عليه فالنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يقول لا أحسي ثناء عليك كما أثنيت على نفسك The second opinion is that when a person goes to the toilet and he relieves himself then those things that exit from his body they are harmful to his body if they were to stay in his body those things that exit from a person, the stool, the feces, the urine, if they were to stay in a person's body, and they were not able to exit, then that would cause great harm to that person's body, and great difficulty, to the extent it may even cause death. In certain circumstances, if a person was not able to remove those uh, items from his body, so it's a blessing from the blessings of Allah, that a person is able to remove these things from his body, and his body is not harmed. But if a person was not able to remove those things from his body, he was not able to go to the toilet and not release anything, then that would be harmful to the person and it could be very damaging to that person's health to the extent it may even cause death. So this is a blessing from Allah that those items can be removed. However, a person, he is always, or a person, he is, he falls short. We always fall short in thanking Allah for the blessings that we have. We fall short in thanking Allah for the blessings that we have. We have a shortcoming in showing our gratitude to Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ, feeling this feeling of shortcoming in gratitude to Allah, and thanking Allah, then he would say, Ghufranaka, that I seek your forgiveness, meaning in terms of whatever shortcoming that may be apparent in the demonstration of gratitude to Allah for this blessing of releasing these items from the body and other blessings. So it was as a consequence of that feeling of having a shortcoming in thanking Allah and demonstrating gratitude to Allah 
for all of the different blessings, including the blessing of removing these items from the body, feeling that shortcoming, then he would say, Ghufranaka, that I seek your forgiveness if any of that shortcoming has occurred. So that is second opinion here that's mentioned, because as we know, it's not possible to demonstrate our gratitude to Allah in the complete form, as the Prophet ﷺ would say, لا أحسي ثناء عليك كما أثنيت على نفسك أو أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك that I cannot enumerate or restrict or count the blessings upon you. I cannot encompass those blessings upon you. You are as you have praised yourself. I cannot enumerate the praise upon you, not the blessings, the praise. I cannot enumerate or count the praise upon you. You are as you have praised yourself. And both of these opinions are correct. That it is because uh, you are cutting off from the remembrance of Allah during that time period. So you seek forgiveness for that. And similarly because we are short. We have a shortcoming in thanking Allah for these blessings. So we seek forgiveness for that too. The Shaykh says, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan hafizahullah. فَإِذَا كَانَ هَذَا حَالُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَعَ مَقَامِهِ فِي الْعُبُودِيَّةِ فَكَيْفَ بِنَا نَحْنُ If this is the way that the Prophet ﷺ was, despite the fact that he had reached, he had reached such a level in his worship, even though he had reached such a level in his worship, he was still seeking this forgiveness after relieving himself from the toilet. Then what therefore about the rest of us? The Shaykh says everybody should consider his own state of affairs. So now here the Shaykh says, this hadith it was narrated by the five. And who are the five? No, the five, the five. The five. No, but when they say Rawal Khamsa, when al Khamsa? Abu Dawud. Tirmidhi, Nisa'i, Ibn Majah, and Ahmed. Bukhari Muslim, that doesn't come into this. When they say Rawal Khamsa, it's the Ashab al-Sunan. Tirmidhi ibn Majah, Abu Dawud and Nasai, and Al-Imam Ahmed. That's Rawal al-Khamsa. That's what they mean by that. Wasahahahu uh, Abu Hatim. Abu Hatim, who's he? Ibn Hibban, same one. Abu Hatim ibn Hibban, same one. Wal-Hakim, Al-Hakim, Abu Abdullah, Sahib al-Mustadrak. So this hadith indicates... دل هذا الحديث على مسائل المسألة الأولى مشروعية الاستتار حال قضاء الحاجة والتواري عن نظر الناس that a person conceals himself and hides himself at the time of relieving himself that's what the hadith indicates المسألة الثانية مشروعية سطر العورة فإن هذا داخل من باب أولى في قوله فليستتر the legislation for a person to cover his aura to cover the private region Surely that is mentioned in this hadith because the Prophet says, conceal yourselves when relieving yourselves. Because what is the area that is going to be exposed when you relieve yourselves? The private area, the awrah. So there's an indication that the awrah must be covered. That he covers himself and he covers his awrah. Because when you use the toilet, then the private region, the awrah could be exposed. And that is a time when it will be exposed. So that is to be covered and the hadith indicates that too. Al-mas'alatu thalitha Fihi mashru'iyyat Hatha ad-du'a wa huwa qawluhu ghufranak Itha kharaja min al-khala'i Awfaraga min qada'i hajatih 
so there's the legislation of reciting this dua ghufranak as you exit from having relieved yourself وأما ما ورد عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من أنه إذا انتهى من قضاء حاجته قال الحمد لله الذي أذهب عني الأذى وعافاني as for the statement of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when he used to say leaving the toilet الحمد لله الذي أذهب عني الأذى وعافاني all praise be due to Allah the one who removed this harm from me and he gave me uh, good health in that affair فهذا حديث لا يصح فهذا حديث لا يصح ولذلك اقتصر المؤلف على هذا الحديث وهو قوله غفرانك so the sheikh says this hadith it is not authentic alhamdulillah alladhi adhhab anni al-adha wa afani that dua the sheikh says isn't authentic the hadith isn't authentic but the غفرانك that one the sheikh says is correct the next hadith of Ibn Mas'ud رضي الله عنه قال أتى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الغائط فأمرني أن آتيه بثلاثة أحجار فوجدت حجرين ولم أجد ثالثا فأتيته بروفة فأخذهما وألقى الروفة وقال هذا رجس أو ركس أخرجه البخاري وزاد أحمد والدارقطني ائتني بغيرها وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم نهى أن يستنجى بعظم أو روث وقال إنهما لا يطهران رواه الدار قطني وصحها These two narrations then The hadith of Ibn Mas'ud where he says that the Prophet وسلم, he came to the place of relieving himself and he said to me bring me three stones So he said I looked for them and I found two stones but I couldn't find a third one. So I brought him, I brought him dried dung. You know when dung it dries up, it, be, it becomes solid. So he says, I brought him some dried dung. Perhaps that could be used. I brought him some dried dung in the place of the third stone because I couldn't find the third stone. So he took the two stones, but he threw away the dried dung. And he said, إِنَّهَا رِجْسْ أَوْ رِكْسْ he said, indeed, that is impure. And that is narrated by Bukhari. And in the narration of Ahmed and Darakutni, the Prophet ﷺ actually said, Bring me something else, different to this dried dung. And similarly, in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, he said, the Prophet ﷺ said, that when you make the istinja, when you are purifying your body parts after relieving yourself, uh, that he prohibited that you do that, with bones or dried dung. وَقَالِ إِنَّهُمَ لَا يُطَهِّرَانِ He said that these two items, they do not purify. Bones and the dried dung do not purify. هَذَانِ الْحَدِيثَانِ أَيْضًا فِيهِمَا جُمْلَةً مِنْ آدَابِ قَضَاءِ الْحَاجَةِ These two ahadith, they have some more of the details of the manners of relieving yourself. So Ibn Mas'ud as we've learned already, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he was uh, aiding and serving the Prophet He said to him, bring me three stones. So ibn Mas'ud says, I found two stones, but I could not find the third one. So instead I brought the dried dung. وَقَ- uh, وَأَلْقَ- uh, ف- uh, 
نعم فوجدت حجرين ولم أجد الثالث فأتيته بروثة فأخذهما أي الحجرين وألقى الروثة لم يقبلها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وقال إنها رجس أو ريكس فالرجس والريكس بمعنى واحد وهو النجس both of them mean that it is impure أي the dung and the bone or rather here the dung فعلل so the Prophet explained that the reason why he threw away the dried dung was because it was impure and you cannot be used to purify yourself. In order that Ibn Mas'ud would understand the reason why the Prophet ﷺ threw that away. So that would be a means of education. So that he would understand the reason for that. And also, so that Ibn Mas'ud would not feel uh, uh, aggrieved or upset by this, that the Prophet ﷺ has thrown away this. So the Prophet ﷺ explained to him the reason why he threw it away. That this is impure, it can't be used. Something else will, ha- will, be have, to, uh, will have to be brought. And in the hadith of Abu Hurairah, it actually mentions that bones and dried dung cannot be used. وَقَدْ تَقَدَّمَ الْمَنْعُ مِنَ الْإِسْتِنْجَابِ الْعَظْمِ وَالْرَوْثِ فِي حَدِيثِ سَلْمَانِ وَفِيهِ أَنَّ النَّبِيَ سَلَّمْ نَحْعَ عَنْ أَشْيَاءَ وَمِنْهَا وَأَنَّ اسْتَجْمِرَ بِرَجِيعٍ أَوْ عَظْمٍ فَالْحَدِيثِ دَلَّتْ عَلَى الْمَنْعِ مِنَ الْإِسْتِنْجَابِ الْعَظْمِ أي عظم كان أي عظم كان وعن الاستنجاء بالروثة روث جميع الدواب. So these ahadith it's already been mentioned in fact, the hadith of Salman, radiyallahu that uh, using dung, dried dung of animals or bones are not permissible. That's already been mentioned in previous narrations. Uh, whichever dung that might be of any animal. And in these ahadith, we now have the explanation that those items do not purify either. And also, there was the other explanation that came before that, which is that this is the food of the jinn and their animals. The food of the jinn and their animals, the bone for the jinn and the uh, dung, the dried dung for their animals. So for these reasons, it's been mentioned that it's prohibited to use uh, those affairs for the purification of yourselves after relieving the call of nature. The Shaykh then says, فَيُسْتَفَادُ مِنْ هَذَيْنِ الْحَدِيثَيْنِ حديث ابن مسعود وحديث ابي هريرة رضي الله عنهما مسائل كثيرة He says many benefits can be taken here. المسألة الأولى فيه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بشر يحتاج إلى ما يحتاج إليه البشر من طعام وقضاء حاجة وغير ذلك ففيه رد على من يغالي في حق الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم Firstly, we understand that the Prophet ﷺ was human just like any other human. He was the best of creation and he was chosen for the messengership, no doubt. But he was human just like any other human. And he used to eat just like any other human. And he would relieve himself just like any other human. From that angle, he was the same. But otherwise, he was the best of creation chosen by Allah as the seal of the Prophets. That therefore is a refutation of those people who claim that the Prophet ﷺ had some rububiyyah in him. 
or that he was made out of light, and that he walked without a shadow. All of these things that the people they make in terms of exaggeration is refuted by these types of hadith too. Because they indicate that the Prophet ﷺ was normal like the other people. He ate and he would relieve himself and that was normal. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in the Quran, وَلَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُلًا مِّن قَبْلِكَ وَجَعَلْنَا لَهُمْ أَزْوَاجًا وَذُرِّيَّةً That indeed we have sent messengers before you and we made for them wives and children. They were human just like the rest of us had wives and they had children. Similarly, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا قَبْلَكَ مِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ إِلَّا إِنَّهُمْ لَيَأْكُلُونَ الطَّعَامِ وَيَمْشُونَ فِي الْأَسْوَاقِ That indeed we have not sent messengers before you except that they used to eat the food and walk amongst the people. Walk amongst the people in the markets etc. They used to eat the food too. So the prophets they are human. لِذَلِكَ فَهُمْ بَشَرٌ لَكِنَّ اللَّهَ فَضَّلَهُمْ بِالْرِسَالَةِ They are human but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala preferred them and gave them precedence with the messengership, with the revelations. فَلَا يَجُوزُ الْغُلُوُّ فِيهِمْ وَرَفْعِهِمْ فَوْقَ مَنْزِلَتِهِمْ وَعِطَائِهِمْ شَيْئًا مِنْ صِفَاتِ الْرُبُوبِيَّةِ So it is not permissible to raise them above their rank and to give them characteristics which are not from the characteristics of humans. المسألة الثانية فيه جواز استخدام الإنسان لغيره لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم استخدم ابن مسعود ففيه جواز الاستخدام لا سيما إذا كان المخدوم من أهل العلم والفضل أو كان كبيرا في السن أو كان من ولاة أمور المسلمين فهؤلاء خدمتهم مستحبة It is indicated in the hadith that it is permissible to use someone to help you as a servant help you and to aid you as a servant who does jobs for you and chores for you that's okay because in this hadith ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه was aiding and serving the Prophet ﷺ, bringing to him the various items, the stones, etc. that were required for cleaning uh, after the relieving of the call of nature. And that is something which is mustahab, particularly if you are aiding someone who is, the, who is a person of virtue and rank and status and knowledge, etc. Or he is the leader of the believers, the wulatil umur, or he is somebody elder than you in age. That's something recommended in Islam that you aid and help those types of people and serve them. Al-Mas'alatu al-Thalitha Fihi mashru'iyyatu al-istijmar ba'da qada al-haja Wa anna al-insana la yatruku al-makhraj Mulattakhan wa mulawwathan bin najasa Fayata'adda ila badanihi wa thayabihi wa yisalli fi Bal yajibu izalatu athari al-kharij bin istijmar wa bin istinjab al-ma' فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَنْجِئْ وَلَمْ يَسْتَجْمِرْ وَتَرَكَ الْأَثَرَ عَلَى مَخْرَجِهِ وَصَلَّى فَصَلَاتُهُ بَاطِلَةً لِأَنَّ مِنْ شُرُوطِ صِحَّةِ الْوُضُوءِ تَقَدُّمُ اسْتِنْجَائِنَ وَاسْتِجْمَارٍ قَبْلَ The Shaykh says within these ahadith we understand the legislation to purify yourself after the relieving of the call of nature. And that a person cannot just leave the exit area, the private parts uncleaned. You cannot just leave those parts uncleaned because if you do, you relieve yourself and leave those parts uncleaned, then that uncleanliness and the after effects of having gone to the toilet, the after effects may then go into your clothes, they may go into other parts of your body, then that is something which is not befitting. And if a person was not to clean that area, if he was to leave those after effects, after using the toilet, and they went onto his clothes and his body and he prayed, that prayer would be false. Because one of the conditions for the prayer is the wudu, and one of the 
aspects that is required from the wudu, the conditions of the wudu, is that a person has cleaned the private parts in advance also. Al-Mas'alatul Rabi'ah فيه أن الاستجمار يكون بثلاثة الأحجار أو ما يقوم مقام الأحجار من كل ما يزيل الأثر من أحجار وطيل قوي أو خشب أو مناديل خشنة أو غير ذلك بشرط لا يكون منهيا عنه. In this is the evidence that the person he purifies himself with three stones. You purify yourself with three stones or something that takes the place of three stones. For example, it could be pieces of wood. It could be pieces of wood. It could be some type of dried clay. It could be types of tissues that people use now that have some type of harshness to them, not smooth tissues. Completely smooth, they don't remove the after effects properly. But something which has some type of ridge to it that can remove... Those after effects. So all of those are permissible, but it's mentioned they should be three. وَهَكَذَا نَعَمْ So anything can be used as long as it is not prohibited from and it is not something respectful, something of that nature, tissues, etc. What people use now, then that is correct. الْمَسْأَلَةُ الْخَامِسَ فِيهِ اسْتِحْبَابُ الْإِيْتَارِ فَالْإِسْتِجْمَارِ بِأَنْ يَقْطَعَهُ عَلَى وَتْرِ وَلَا يَقْطَعَهُ عَلَى شَفْعِ يعني أنه لا يكتفى بالاستجمار بحجرين ولو أنقى بل يجعلها ثلاثة وهكذا لا يقطعه إلا على وتر لأن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم طلب ثلاثة أحجار Also it indicates that a person uses three wipings at least Two is not sufficient Two is not sufficient Three at least Even if two They did the job Even if two purified You must use three And if a person goes above that You can go above that But a person should make it in an odd number. Five wipings or seven wipings or nine wipings. Try to keep it in an odd number. Does that make it wajib to use over three? Or just three? No, three, three you have to use. Over three, it's up to you. If, if you clean it with three, khalas, finished. At least. At least, it says at least three. If, you, if it's not clean, you carry on. Three at least. If it's not clean, carry on. Seven, nine, ten, fifteen, twenty-five, whatever you want to do. As long as it's clean. But then if you carry on, then make it witter, make it odd number. المسألة السادسة أن الاستجمار يطهر المحل لقوله صلى الله عليه وسلم في العظم والروث إنهما لا يطهران فدل على أن غيرهما يطهر المحل فلو اقتصر على الاستجمار أجزأه ذلك بإجماع أهل العلم لم يستعمل الماء ولو كان متوفرا لديه بل لو كان على ضفة البحر وَاسْتَجْمَرَ اِسْتِجْمَارًا مُنَقِّيًا فَإِنَّ ذَلِكَ يَكْفِيهِ وَيُجْزِئُهُ وَلَوْ أَتْبَعَهُ بِالْمَا كَانَ أَفْضَلٌ The hadith also indicates that if a person after relieving himself, he uses stones or tissues or wood or dried clay or whatever it might be to purify that area then, if he does that and he uses three wipings, five, seven, nine, and he purifies that area and all of the after effects are gone. Then that in of itself is actually sufficient. You don't have to use water. It's not obligatory. If a person purified and completely cleaned himself with tissues and with stones and those types of things, and completely cleaned that area, then that area is purified. The hadith indicates it's purified. How do we know? Because when 
The Prophet ﷺ said in the hadith of Abu Huraira, the bones and the dried dung do not purify that area. Indicating that other things like stones do purify that area. So if you use the stones, three wipings, five, seven, nine, and you purify, clean that area, it's purified. You don't have to use water. Even if the shaykh says, even if you were stood at the side of a, an ocean, you stood at the side of a river or an ocean, plenty of water, you don't have to use it. If you use stones and you clean that area, it's done. But it's better and it's preferred that a person uses water. Use the stones, use the tissue paper, but also use water. That is better, that is preferred. لِأَنَّ الرَّسُولَ سَلَّمْ أَخْبَرَ أَنَّ الْإِسْتِجْمَارِ يُطَهِّرْ فَمَعْنَاهُ أَنَّهُ لَوْ اِقْتَصَرَ عَلْهِ كَفَى إِلَّا أَنَّ هُنَا مِنَ الْعُلَمَاءِ مَنْ يَقُولَ الْإِسْتِجْمَارُ لَا يُطَهِّرْ تَطْهِيرًا تَامًا وَلَكِنْ يُعْفَى عَنِ الْأَثَرِ الَّذِي يَبْقَى إِذْ إِنَّهُ لَا يَقْطَعَ الْخَارِجِ تَمَامًا فَلَوْ بَقِيَ عَثَر فَلَوْ بَقِيَ أَثَر مِنْهُ فَإِنَّهُ يُعْفَى عَنْهُ هَذَا رِوَايَةٌ عَنِ الْإِمَامِ أَحْمَدَ كَمَا فِي مَتْنِ الزَّادِ وَعَنْ أَثَرِ الْإِسْتِجْمَارِ بِمَحَلِّهِ وَلَكِنِ الصَّحِيحَ الَّذِي يَدُلُّ عَلَيْهِ هَذَا الْحَدِيثُ هُوَ الْقَوْلُ الْأَوَّلُ بِأَنَّهُ يُطَهِّرْ Some of the scholars they say that the stones and tissues and these other types of things no matter how much you do they don't completely purify that area because stones and tissues and these things, they say they are never going to completely clean that area. There's always going to be some little sign left. That can only be got rid of with water. So some of the scholars say that if you use only rocks and stones and paper, then yes, it generally pretty much cleans that area. But there's always going to be some little stain or sign that remains. That little tiny bit that remains, they say a person is forgiven for that. A person is forgiven for that. That's one opinion of some of the scholars, but the correct opinion the Shaykh says is, a person if he uses stones, etc., tissues, whatever, and he purifies that area, then it is purified. It is purified. But it is better to use water. It is better to use water with that too. Use the stones, use the tissue, but use water too. Even if you make the tissues wet, make the tissues wet and use them like that. Then you are using water at least as well. Al-Mas'ala al-Sabi'a في الحديث المنع من الاستنجاب العظم الرف فمن استجمر بهما فإن استجماره غير صحيح. There is the prohibition of using bones and dried dung. So whoever uses that, then his purification is incorrect. في الحديث دليل على مشروعية تعليل الأحكام يعني بيان علة للحكم الشرعي. فإن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لما ألقى الروث قال إنها ركس. وَلَمَّا نَهَى عَنَ الْإِسْتِنْجَابِ الْعَذْمِ وَالْرَوْثِ قَالَ إِنَّهُمَا لَا يُطَهِّرَانِ وَلَا شَكَّ بِأَنَّ هَذَا يَكُونُ أَثْبَتْ فِي ذِهْنِ السَّامِعِ وَأَكْثَرَ تُمَأْنِينَةً لَهُ حَيْثُ إِنَّهُ لَا يَبْقَى فِي نَفْسِهِ أَدْنَى شَكٍّ وَحَيْثُ لَمْ تُبَيَّنُ الْعِلَّةَ فَإِنَّنَا مَأْمُورُونَ بِالِاتِّبَاعِ وَالْعَمَلِ طَاعَةً لِلَّهِ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ Also these ahadith they indicate the legislation of clarifying the reasoning behind the, leg- the regulations and the rulings. Clarifying the reasoning behind rulings. Because when the reasoning is clarified, then a person can feel at ease. And he feels that he understands the reasoning why this is to be done. So he feels at ease with that ruling. And he understands it better. And there's no doubt left about that ruling. But even if the reasoning behind a particular ruling is not known to us, then that is not uh, an excuse to not follow that. Rather, even if the reasoning is not known, a person still 
follows that ruling and that legislation, obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger, even if the reasoning is not known. And there are certain types of worship, we don't know the reasonings. But even when you don't know the reasoning, you still perform and implement that worship as obedience to Allah and His Messenger. The final hadith, عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم استنزهوا من البول فإن عامة عذاب القبر منه رواه الدارقطني وللحاكم أكثر عذاب القبر من البول وهو صحيح الإسناد These two last hadith and the hadith of Abu Huraira the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said استنزهوا من البول meaning Purify yourselves, clean yourselves, take care of yourselves from urine. If you urinate, make sure you check everything. Make sure the spots, the splashes, the everything is cleaned and good and proper. Make sure you look after yourselves properly after you urinate. Because a lot of the general, the generality of the punishment of the grave is because of that reason. That is one of the reasons, one of the great encompassing reasons for the punishment of the grave. And Al-Hakim said that the greatest punishment of the grave, the reasoning for it is the urine. That a person does not look after himself when urinating. Um, this is a big no, of course. And this is why a Muslim needs to learn these uh, rulings. Of course. This is something of importance. We've mentioned the hadith many times also. And I'm sure the shaykh will mention it in the explanation. The famous hadith about the Prophet ﷺ when he went past those two graves. These two are being punished. They're not being punished for something big, they thought. But rather it is something big. One of them used to spread namima, story, uh, telling stories, causing corruption between people. And the other one, he never used to look after himself when urinating. So they are being punished in their graves for that. Splashes go in your clothes, you don't clean yourself properly afterwards. It's a major issue, it's a major problem. And the people, they need to take care. Here these narrations are saying, one of the biggest reasons for the punishment of the grave is that they're not people not looking after themselves for, from urinating. So, the standing toilets, you shouldn't even use them. No doubt about it. The standing toilet, which is a, a group of them in a line, you can't even use them. You can't conceal yourself. Your private area cannot be concealed. Your aura cannot be concealed. You are, you are public in front of everyone. The person next to you can see everything. So it's not even correct to use. And you're right, on top of that, those types of standing ones, if you use them, the splashes, they come right back onto you. It is not correct to use them at all. Even the normal toilets, a person should sit down and use it to protect yourself from the splashes coming back, etc. That is the proper Islamic manners. These are the mannerisms that have been taught in the, in the sunnah. How a person behaves in relieving himself. Consider now the punishment which is attached to it. A person who doesn't look after himself in urinating, the punishment of the grave is attached to that. There are two things you have to look after. That a person makes sure the splashes don't go onto him or his clothes. 
وذلك بأن يتبول في مكان رخو من الأرض ولا يتبول في مكان صلب فيتطاير ورذاذ البول إلى جسمه أو إلى ثوبه The sheikh says a person has to make sure that he urinates in a place where the splashes aren't going to come back onto him. So if you're out in the open somewhere, you should choose a place that is soft and moist. Soft and moist. So that the urine goes into the ground. If you pick somewhere dry and hard and solid, like those toilets when you stand on them, then the urine hits that and splashes straight back. So that is what somebody should do. Pick a place where it's soft and moist. So that the water will go straight in, the urine will go straight in, not splash back. That's the first thing. الأمر الثاني إذا أصابه شيء من البول فإنه يجب عليه المبادرة إلى غسله. That if some splashes do go into your clothes, then one of the meanings of this hadith is that you have to be hasty in cleaning those clothes. Clean those clothes, get the splashes off them, wipe them, clean them. If any of the splashes do go into your clothes, and that's what's meant by protecting yourself from the punishment of the grave. Make sure that these splashes don't go on, and if they do. Wash those clothes instantly. ثُمَّ عَلَّلَ ذَلِكَ سَسَلَّمْ بِقَوْلِهِ فَإِنَّ عَامَةَ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ مِنْهُ أَيْ أَكْثَرَ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ بِسَبِبِ الْبَوْلِ فَهُوَ يُسَبِّبُ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ بَلْ أَكْثَرَ أَسْبَابِ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ مِنْهُ So this is the reasoning for that. Why do you have to protect yourself? One of the reasons given is because a lot of the punishment of the grave, a lot, one of the majority reasons of the punishment of the grave is that people not looking after themselves when urinating. And the grave is either a garden from the gardens of paradise or a hole from the holes of hellfire, a pit from the pits of hellfire. A person is either going to be blessed in there or he's going to be given punishment in there. And the punishment or the blessings are upon his body and soul together. فَلَوْ تَحَلَّلَ جِسْمُهُ وَصَارَ تُرَابًا فَإِنَّ الْعَذَابَ يَصِلُ إِلَيْهِ فَاللَّهُ تَعَالَ قَادِرٌ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ So even if his body it, uh, decomposes away, then the punishment and the blessings will still come to him. And Allah is capable over all things. وَعَذَابُ الْقَبْرِ ثَابِتٌ بِالْكِتَابِ وَسُنَّةِ وَإِجْمَاعِ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ وَلَمْ يُخَالِفِهِ إِلَّا الْمُعْتَزِلَ and the punishment of the grave is something established by the Qur'an, the Sunnah and the consensus. And nobody opposed that other than some of the deviants like the Mu'tazila. هَؤُلَى الْمُعْتَزِلَى فِي كُلِّ زَمَانِ لَا عِبْرَةَ بِمُخَالَفَتِهِمْ The Shaykh says the Mu'tazila, in whatever time in history, it doesn't matter. Their statements are not given any consideration. لِأَنَّهُمْ يَعْتَمِدُونَ فِي اسْتِنْبَاطِ الْأَحْكَامِ شَرْعِيَّةَ عَلَى مَحْدِ الْعَقَلِ Because they rely upon their intellects, purely upon their intellects in deriving and taking rulings from the, uh, for this religion. They depend upon their intellects. So if the texts, they go against their intellects, they reject the texts, and they give precedence to their futile intellects. ونحن نرد على هؤلاء المعتزلة بأن نقول إن عذاب القبر من أمور الغيبية. We refute these معتزلة and we say to them that the punishment of the grave it is something from the unseen matters. It is something from the unseen and it is something that we cannot experience or know about in this life until we actually die for ourselves. And so that occurs and it is real 
and that is something proven and established. And it's mentioned in some of the narrations of the Prophet ﷺ, how he taught uh, the companions, the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, أَمَرَهُمْ وَنْ يَتَعَوَّذُوا مِنْ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ وَنْ يَتَعَوَّذُوا فِي التَّشَهُدِ الْأَخِيرِ مِنْ أَرْبَعِ مِنْ عَذَابِ جَهَنَّمُ وَمِنْ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ وَمِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْمَحْيَاءِ وَالْمَمَاتِ وَمِنْ فِتْنَةِ الْمَسِيحِ الدَّجَّالِ So all of these the Prophet ﷺ taught the people to seek refuge in Allah from. And they are the punishment of the fire and the punishment of the grave and the trials of this life and death and from the trials of the Dajjal. So these are the reasonings behind looking after yourself when urinating. And it is of extreme importance that a person does that. And if a person does not do that and he thinks this is something very casual, then know that the punishment associated to that is the punishment of the grave for the one who doesn't look after himself when urinating. So they are from the mannerisms of using the toilet also. We'll conclude upon that point now. And next time we'll continue next week inshallah on Saturday. Uh, and we'll discuss some of the ahadith that speak about how you should sit when urinating. What your position should, should be when urinating. That we'll discuss next time inshallah ta'ala.